Welcome to the Rockstar Mentor Podcast. Today is episode 85. I am your host and creator, Sonia Paz, and I have an amazing guest on the show today. Welcome to the Rockstar Mentor Podcast, the podcast to inspire you and bring you the kickstart you need to crush it in the art industry. We'll bring you creative insights, inspiring interviews, and valuable resources, art marketing, along with decades of experience to provide you the strategic approach to unleash your creative talents and rock your inner entrepreneur. Now, your creatively energetic host, Sonia Paz. That's right, Sonia Paz here with the Rockstar Mentor Podcast, and like I said, I have an amazing guest on the show today. But before we get started, I want to just ask you if you've ever had a side hustle with a job that you're currently doing, and if that side hustle has resulted in a full-time job doing exactly what you've been born to do doing exactly what you feel that you have to do to make a difference, not only for yourself, but for the people and the communities around you. My guest today is a good friend of mine, and I'll give you a little hint. She melts my heart, and she's on hot topics today as we talk about her journey as a glass artist in the Northern California area, she's taking her love for what she does, the scientific portion of it and the nature portion of it, and has created a business all her own in her own right. We have been planning to do this interview for quite some time now, and we finally got our schedules together so that I can have her on the show today. And this is by far one of the most technical but most intriguing and exciting interviews to date. Please welcome my good friend Joy Munchhauser to the Rockstar Mentor Podcast today. Hey Joy, how's it going? Awesome, how's it going? It is going great and I know that it's been a while since we've talked and it's been a it's been a kind of a journey to get you on the podcast today so I am thrilled to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you and I have met a lot of folks on the on the podcast, you know, or either new to the podcast or have been religiously listening for months and uh I'm always mentioned that I've known you and I'm excited that you're on the show and I want to have you tell our friends and listeners what your journey is as a an amazing glass artist and I'll let you start out and just let them know how you've how you got into this from tile to glass and and how you ended up doing the fabulous works that you do. <laughs> That's a long story. <laughs> I know, I know. That's um, a loaded question. <laughs> I, I actually started out in, as a bronze sculptor um, back in the, gosh, early 90s, 94, 95. Oh, my God. And I worked as the head of a fabrication crew for an artist out of San Francisco, and I used to detail his wax sculptures and then hand cast his both lost wax casting, molten bronze, and cold cast bronze, um, natural um, nature wildlife sculptures. And that kind of gave me the skill set for working with dental tools and having to heat up dental tools in order to manipulate a wax. 
Right. And once I got done with basically that two-year internship, if you will, um, I got into ceramics at San Jose State, and I did a lot of hand-building as well as thrown pottery. And, of course, clay lets you um, have a lot of control over the medium in terms of detail and what you want to build, um, and you can really get some really nice detail into it. And so then I learned um, some alternative ways of building and detailing um, sculpture work. And again, it's always been um, a nature thing with me, so animals and wildlife. Um, and it was really the combination of the bronze casting skill set with tools and the ceramics and the understanding of chemistry from the glazes that when I got on the path of glass seven years ago, everything just kind of came together. And so all of these different skill sets in the last 20 years of being an independent artist in various medium all came together and culminated in giving me an, a unique skill set um, and background that was immediately adaptable to glass. Right. Holy cow. So working with your hands is definitely a talent. And you're, yes, you're not that. afraid to get into and get it and delve right into it. No, and in fact, you have to be willing to do that and not be afraid of giving things a try and making mistakes and taking notes and say, huh, I wonder what would happen if I did this. And you can't be afraid of getting a cut or a burn. Um, and I tell my students, you know, you, there's a certain amount of red blood cells and skin cells that you have to sacrifice for the glass gods <laughs> in order to have your artwork turn out right. So if you cut yourself, if you burn yourself, don't worry about it. Um, keep on moving forward. You know, you're putting all of you in your glass. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. <laughs> literally. Now, literally <laughs> skin cells and scabs. So you, you definitely have your a list of uh, an arsenal of bandages, I'm sure, by your workbench. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> so you've only been doing this for seven years, which is an amazing feat. Because when I met you, I would say about five years ago, you were only doing it a couple years, and you were already creating such magnificent feats of of artwork, of wearable art for people. And you've, I mean, you started, you went from doing tile and etching tile from when I met you to really right. just trans transitioning into doing glass and you do this full time. Well, and again, my, my career in the art field um, has always been sort of a, a double path. I've always had the sideline of independent artwork and sculptor um, and, and illustration, um, quite honestly, where I used to take a lot of contract jobs. And then as a main career, I worked in construction because that was the practical application to my design degree. Okay. And so I did a lot of handiwork and installation of tile and stone um, and interior design. And that bled into a sideline of starting my own business called Tile Goddess. And that's where I would do all the monument work. So all the graphic work that then I would um, cut the hand cut the masking for and then do the sandblasting for the purposes of installed artwork. Right. And I've seen that work in progress at your, at your home studio when you were in San Jose. And I mean, it's, it's, 
it's something to behold. It's just such a cool medium just to, to see the tools that you use and how you just get it prepared for the, for the sandblasting. And I'm going to make sure that we put photos of your work and everything in the show notes. But, um, but so you went from that. How did you start working on the torch? Because that is kind of what you're really known right now in this day and age for is the, the works that you're doing on the torch of animals and marine life, um, um, torsos of women right. and just, God, it's, it's, it's amazing. And so I want you to talk uh, and tell our listeners a okay. bit about how that happened. So I um, attended Fresno State Graduate Sculpture Studies um, back, I think it was 2003 to about 2005, 2006. And I was studying bronze casting. And um, my senior year, final year, one of my fellow grad students brought in her hothead torch oh in order God. to give a demonstration to the rest of the sculpture students how to make a glass bead. I had never seen that done before. I had seen <laughs> Lino Tagli-Pietra blow glass at San Jose State where I was working on my undergrad work. I knew all about Dale Truly. I knew everything about Bill Morris. I mean, all those guys were just awesome and you know, it was all hot shop work and therefore kind of big and unattainable because it was really expensive to get into. And when that that grad student friend of mine brought in her hothead torch and she was able to manipulate glass and get detail, I was like, wow, you can do that in glass? Really? Right. At home? Right. <laughs> with minimal tools and a small torch? This is awesome. But I wasn't in a um, place in my life where I could start glass at that point. So I continued on my merry way with construction and illustration and bronze casting. And I did um, a number of contract work of bronze wildlife sculptures for the Nature Com Company and Natural Wonders for, um, I don't know, two or three years. And so that gave me a lot of background for doing wildlife work, small-scale wildlife work. Right. Um, and it wasn't until, let's say, 2011, 2010, um, when Etsy started to become pretty popular and you could actually find glass beads on Etsy and see what people were making and have an understanding for the process. And I got interested in giving that a try. And so the... Uh, April, April of 2011, I signed up for my first bead making class at the Bay Area Glass Institute, which is baggy. Right. And I signed up with uh, Shirley Cook, who is my teacher. And I've been addicted ever since then. Yes, it is addicting. I it mean, is, because you're playing with molten color. Right. And it's like, ooh, what can I do now? Right. And I had years and years ago, I had seen a demonstration at Baggy, um, which is for our listeners who aren't familiar with the Northern California area. It's Bay Area Glass Institute in San Jose. And, four of my friends started in college. Right. Oh, my God. Really? I was friends with the, the four or five students that started that up back in the late 90s. Oh, I had no idea. 96, 97. Yep. 
Wow. I've been a volunteer at Baggy since 1996. See, and I probably walked by you a hundred times and never even didn't know you until, <laughs> until, until we got into the whole uh, fireflies, which we'll touch on in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, watching just the big scale, you know, the, the, the guys making pumpkins for October and just watching them spinning big molten glass, which looks like something out of a, almost out of a horror movie, like aliens or something. Cause it's this, you're seeing this um, molten glass just rolling around on these giant. Well, and um, it's heavy yeah. and it's hot and you have all of this heat blasting out of you from the glory hole. Yeah. And you've got this huge crucible of glass and <laughs> you have to keep it molten all the time. And it's just like, wow. And spinning. You better like heat. Oh, yeah. Right. And and the guys in there, they're wearing these giant gloves, but they're they're in shorts and flip flops because it's it is you don't drop it on your foot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, just it's mesmerizing. And then, of course, yeah, learning and seeing that it you can work on a on a smaller scale on a workbench with a torch in your own home, in your own home, in an air conditioned studio, if you're lucky enough. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, you know, seeing how people are just slowly turning these beads in this little ball of molten glass and adding dots and putting it back over the flame and then getting these effects by right. spinning mandrels I mean, and yeah. Chemistry and the viscosity and and understanding gravity is yet another tool. Right. And being able to use it and manipulate it as a tool. I mean, it's just so many endless possibilities. Oh yeah, and and people collect them. And not only not only do people buy beads for their own purpose of making jewelry to sell, but you know, folks like myself is you know I have beads of yours that I've I have on display in my studio in my home office because it's right. They're little um, pieces of collectible glass, artwork. just like a paperweight would be or a marble. Right, and um, you know. And one thing that was funny and interesting to me as I got started, and because I took my first official glass class from a guy named Ryan who was in Sebastopol, and it was called Central Coast, what was it called? Central Coast Glass. And I go there, and I didn't realize it was a boro studio, a borosilicate studio that's what he worked in and oh, he wow. and I took in my <laughs> my my little rods I know so I went there on a two-day class and it was he was brand new and I had just found him on Craigslist and thought well I'm gonna go and take this glass class in a couple days and I was the only person there so I go in and I'm I had a handful of beads I said you know a things that I've collected and said, this is sort of what I want to work. And it goes, Oh, that looks like soft glass. And me, I'm so new to this. I said, Oh no, it's not soft. It's, it's hard. hard. He goes, no, no, but right. we work in borrow. And it was just like, okay, whatever. I don't know what that means. But, you know, <laughs> he had the, you know, so he explained to me, you know, that there's soft glass and, you know, there's borosilica, you know, the Pyrex grade type of glass or whatever. And right. You know, I got the crash course that weekend, and needless to say, I drove back to San Jose, and my brain hurt, and I thought, okay, this is, you know, just being over this flame, this massive flames, because for those of you who know what borosilicate is, I mean, the, they're hotter torches, and it's it's a whole different... Well, it takes yeah. just so much more firepower to get it hot enough to move. Right. 
So that, mean, you have to have Kevlar sleeves, and if you're a chesty girl, you have a, a Kevlar um, bustier <laughs> yeah. or something to help um, protect the the ladies from yeah. getting um, flash fire burns. Right, <laughs> it's right. Just hot. And uh, yeah, it it was it was definitely a, a treat. So when I learned when I went to you know really get involved in doing the soft glass, I thought, well, this melts really fast and. So, you know, I think in retrospect, it was good to learn from the, from the big, from the big guys, you know, and before I delved into soft glass, but, but you've taken it to an entirely different level. And I, I mean, I'm very familiar with, with your work, you know, from, you know, from just where you started doing the goddesses. And, um, so I want you to explain a bit how, how you started doing all that and working on doing these amazing sculptures on the mandrel. Well, I, when I first got into glass, the general consensus or opinion had been, no, no, you can't get a lot of high detail in glass. It always kind of melts out. It's going to be rounded. It's going to look cartoonish. And, of course, I'm stubborn. I have an Irish temper. I'm <laughs> like, oh, BS. You know, I, I don't think you guys know what you're talking about. This stuff can be manipulated any way you want to manipulate it. And, of course, then I took it as a challenge to prove that you could, in fact, do very tight and detailed glass sculptures on the torch. You just had to really refine your technique, your control of the heat, Mm -hmm. and knowing how to use the proper tools. And the tools that I use are not, um, not from the glass industry. They're from the ceramics and, um, lost wax casting industry. That's so interesting. So it's a yeah. total crossover from my previous art life. So um, it's kind of fun to teach people when I teach my classes how to think of glass as material that you can manipulate once you know it as a medium and what it takes to move it the way that you want to move it and how to use tools a different way than you would have thought about them previously. Right. Wow. And the reason why I got in, um, in the beginning, I started out with a lot of torsos because I already knew um, human anatomy. And I wouldn't say that they didn't have a lot of detail, but it gave me a lot of flexibility to learn how to use heat control and gravity and play around with textures and detailing and tooling without having to be too tight with my detail work because I wasn't there yet. I couldn't have just jumped right in and started doing horse heads. You have to start out with, you know, building your skill set and practice and practice and practice and practice. And then you realize, wow, I can add even more detail now. I can handle a bigger piece of glass. I can work longer in the torch, but it takes that, that time set, those 10,000 hours, of just diligently every single day chipping away at your time on the torch to build up that skill set. Right. Well, that it's, and, and I think also is just to, like you said, is just to be a little fearless, you know, because I, I see so many people who want to, as, as any artist or anybody new in a new medium, they want to, you know, have it come out perfect all the time, but you have to sort of Well, resign. and they want instant gratification right. and, and, you know, immediately be a success. 
Right. Well, that doesn't happen. You might be fearless. You might have some successes, but you're going to have mistakes too. Right. And it's just not letting those mistakes drag you down. Say, well, you know, every mistake is a learning opportunity. Right. Say, well, (laughs) it's not really a mistake. It's a, well, that didn't work out. How about I try it this way this next time? Right. It's education. And right. I used to see so many people say, I don't want to take it off the the flame too quick. I'm afraid it's going to crack. Well, if it's going to crack, it's going to crack, you know, and then you'll know, like you said, you'll know right. next time. And um, would you consider it a forgiving medium? Or No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, there there's um, certain rules. I mean, it's, it's like having um, a pet dog or a cat. Let's use cat. And a cat has a certain way it wants to communicate with you and a certain way it wants to be petted. Otherwise, it will let you know that it doesn't appreciate your attention. And glass is kind of the same way. It has some set definitive rules, but there are a great many ways that you can kind of skirt those edges and come to a compromise with the medium. Say, well, I want you to move like this because I want you to end up looking like this thing. And the glass says, well, I don't really like moving like that, but I'll move like this. Mm-hmm. Can we compromise? And so it's just a matter of learning the medium and what it can and can't do and pushing it to the limit of yourself and the medium. Right. So what um, that brings up the subject of the different types of glass. And there are just endless different styles of glass made by different manufacturers. What is your favorite glass that you like to work with? I like soft glass, which is um, the coefficient of expansion, or COE, is 104. And it's not the softest glass. There's actually um, sataki glass, with, which is a little bit softer, um, not terribly compatible with 104. But 104 is what the industry calls soft glass. And I like it because it has a huge range of colors, especially in the earth tones. Um, and the price point for the glass material itself is a lot lower than Boro. Um, and it's um, a lot more accessible for the stay-at-home hobby career artist. It's much more attainable um, as an overhead for a material if you want to be able to do this full-time. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's um, it's it's pretty amazing. And You've even done some time-lapse um, video of yourself at the torch. And those are, are those on your website? They're on YouTube. YouTube, okay. All you have to do is search uh, Joy Munchauer. I think there's two or three. I'm going to put those in the show. And I stuff. intend to get more up there this year, but my, um, my videographer is currently out having fun snowshoeing in Wyoming. <laughs> Well, what's with that? No kidding, right? I'm at home working. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> so now, are you still involved? I know that you and I were one of the founding members of the Silicon Valley Fireflies, which was a uh, a group up here in Northern California that um, it was a chapter of the ISGB. GB, which is International Society of Glass Beam Makers. Right. And, um, but then you've moved out of the area and then I moved out of the area and, um, and I think the, the group has changed a bit and there's been some new members and new leadership and stuff like that. 
And, um, but is there anything like this in your, where you're living now? No, actually there isn't. There is a San Diego bead society and they cover all beads. So they don't discriminate between polymer beads and clay beads and stone beads. And I think glass beads is actually the smallest, um, smallest amount of group members. And they tend not to meet very often. Oh. And when they do, it's really rather boring. So I don't <laughs> tend to go to those <laughs> meetings. Oh, no. I know. I get it. I've, I've... And then there's also an art glass society up here that um, they're really more about casting, slumping, infusing, and stained glass. Mm. And then there's also a few hot shop artists. There's really not... Um, there really aren't very many flame workers as part of that group. And That's so since we have the amazing Heather Trimlet here in the area, another right. glass bead maker, occasionally, occasionally we will have a get-together at her house and chat about glass and maybe do a couple bead demos and have a glass of wine and just enjoy being around other glass people. Yeah, her work's... That's the extent of it. Well, her works are what really catapult me into wanting to do glass because hers are very pop artish, and me being a painter and using and bright graphic. colors, yeah. hers, um, that was, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like Heather <laughs> <laughs> when I get this going, but I ended up not doing as much glass as I had hoped just because I ugh, transitioned into different, you know, went from the gallery to the studio and then ended up moving out of the area and it just... Yeah, it's just, uh, I'll pick it up again when I have more you just, time. You went on a different path. That's okay. Yeah. It might lead you back around again. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, she's, she's pretty phenomenal too. But, um, so you mentioned that you were a student of Shirley Cook, but now you are the teacher and you're teaching people and tell us about that. Cause you, you don't just do it in your backyard. You're going around the world to teach others your style and your, your techniques. I do. I don't really, um, you know, it's, it's always a challenge when you decide that you want to teach one, you have to be able to teach as a skill set, but you also have to some, have something worth teaching. And so when I teach classes, whether it's locally or, across the U.S. or, you know, overseas in Europe. Um, I really try to make my classes all about technique and thinking about glass in a different way and learning how to manipulate it with um, the tools that I taught myself how to use. And I may use a theme for the class. I may teach you how to make a hedgehog or a parrot or a horse or a giraffe. And it's not really so much about the things that I'm teaching you, but the techniques that I'm getting you to practice and feel comfortable with by training you how to do a certain animal where you're doing repetitive um, motions and learning a skill set for how to use a certain tool. Okay. I'm just sort of yeah. craftily um, you know, teaching you techniques in a non-boring manner if you will. Yeah, non, not boring is, is a good thing. Right. <laughs> I don't find you as boring. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be a very popular teacher if, if you were a boring teacher. So um, I offer a lot of different types of classes depending on what the students at that particular studio want to learn. 
um, my most basic class uh, I call Surf and Turf, and that's a one-day sea life class, and then the second day is going to be um, land animals. I and love so it. I find that particularly with students that have never taken my class or are new to the idea of learning how to sculpt in bas-relief, which is a low-relief style, um, I usually have them sign up for Surf and Turf because the first day you get to work on and learn techniques of how to use the tooling making invertebrates. And that's like jellyfish mm-hmm. and coral reefs and octopus and things without a bone structure. And therefore, when you don't have a bone structure, you have less rules that you have to follow. So it's more flowy and more freestyle yeah, type? Yeah, it's more flowy yeah. and there's, um, there's no real wrong way have the glass because there's no um, skeletal structure that you have to adhere to. So, right? so, so. so your, your, your classes aren't just about glass. Your classes are about real like anatomy also, and all kinds it's of... It's also anatomy and zoology <laughs> and yeah. And I took a lot of anatomy and zoology classes because I wanted to be an animal and wildlife sculptor and yeah at one point had had aspirations of being a veterinarian until I discovered that I really sucked at chemistry and calculus. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work out. Yeah, um, But I've been able to use <laughs> a lot of my um, skill set and knowledge from my zoology, physiology, and anatomy days and carried it into artwork. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, and you, you do an amazing job. And... Um, you know the the amount of detail that goes that goes into your work is and you can you, you feel as though the the uh the animal or the sea life or whatever is actually it's real and it's it's pulsating right in your hand it's just it's just phenomenal cuz um well I, and and again I'm a sculptor so yeah. I don't like flat beads there are a lot of people that will do um you know things that are encased or they're going to use enamels and um, melt something flat into a surface of a bead and make it more like a painting or an mm-hmm. illustration. Right. But I like to be able to close my eyes and hold a bead and be able to feel and know what it is. So it's almost like creating artwork for the blind. Yes. I want people to have to use their tactile sense almost more than their eyes to have a better understanding and appreciation for the piece of glass artwork. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's so powerful. And I love that. I love that description of just, you know, being able to connect with it just by holding it. Now I'm looking at some postcards. Hmm. I love these postcards. Hmm. I have a great graphic designer. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, you know, every time I, I see these up close and personal, you know, in, in the photography, because you have David Orr doing your, your photography, and he's yes, just... Yes, He's fantastic. He is fantastic. But, I mean, the subject matter that he's photographing is truly amazing. And the thing that just strikes me as magical are the eyes. And the eyes that you put into the giraffes and the parrots and the rams and the horses especially are just it the, they're looking through you and they're they're speaking to you with this glance in this glass and i just think it it's just it's pretty miraculous now you do your own eyes as well don't you 
Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, because... Oh, yeah. I, no, yeah, they're we not went... marine or anything. They're... Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, no, they're... Cause we they're went... just from the rods of glass. Yeah, and we went to... Uh, you and I went together to a Wayne Robbins class in the Santa Cruz Mountains oh, a few yes, years ago. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> I love Wayne. Yeah, Isn't I got... Wayne? <laughs> and... I still have, I have my little sculptures that I made. They're on a shelf here. And of course, mine look like blobs. I don't know what See, they I are. I have to mine in the ocean. Either yeah. that or I donated them to Beads of Courage. I'm not sure which, but yeah, <laughs> I think I still have some of my eyeball cane, but I don't have anything else from that. Yeah, but this is, this I find is that cool. making cane, like I've had people ask me, oh, your eyes are so wonderful. Did you make a marini? And... I know some people really like making marini. I do not. Yeah. I am lazy. Or rather, I'm, I would say that I'm more, I would rather be more efficient with my time and sculpt something. Right. <laughs> and so um, I don't, I, I, it would be an odd day that you caught me making some sort of marini. Right. So they're, they're so. just done. They're just done right there on. Yeah, they're just done, done right there with um, little dots of glass. It's phenomenal. Wow. So, I... Well, and and the other thing is, too, is that, you know, once you learn how to sculpt a thing, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you get down your muscle memory, you learn how to use the tools, you know about the glass. Now you need to try to transcend the medium and add that little something more. Right. That little breath of life, that little bit of personality, that little bit of you that you want to see reflected in the glass and and have it readable to other people sure sure and so that's just sort of that that next progression um in an art form if you want to take it that far of you know it's not just about making a thing it's about bringing it to life and trying to communicate something to the people that are going to appreciate it I'm not a highly conceptual person. I don't know. I don't, you know, do conceptual artwork, but I do want people to understand that I view animals as, you know, alternative people, if you will. Mm -hmm. They have a soul. They have dreams. They have aspirations. They have feelings. They have fears. And since we as a species do a lot of communication through our eyes, I try to do the same thing with my artwork. Yeah. To show the soul and the beauty of the thing that it is through the eyes. Right, right, right. And how long does it take? What's the, let's see, a horse, horse speed, just what, on the average. What does, how long does that take? Average, how long are you sitting at the torch? Average is about two hours. Yeah. And that's a commitment because you can't. It is. You can't, <laughs> you know, just take a break and decide I, I want to go check Facebook. Right, or go to the bathroom, or, or eat something. Instagram, you better be <laughs> or go pee, or you know, you you're there. <laughs> I mean, I've occasionally had things I can move in and out of a kiln, but you really take a lot of chances of stressing out the glass and getting cracks. Mm-hmm. And so, once you start, then you got to finish. Right, but then I mean, it's you can't stop because you're in a zone. You're in. You're right. completely in the zone, and everything is methodical. So. Um, you know, you have your steps and, you know, it's sort of like a roadmap. It's like, okay, I've made my base beat. Okay, now I've made my outline. Okay, now I'm going to fill in those outlines and start with my shapes and then start adding the shapes and the shapes of the muscles and building up the features. And, you know, it's just very systematic. You know, I don't do it willy-nilly. I, I actually have a, a plan or a vision in mind. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there's a certain amount of spontaneity that goes into the piece so that it can develop its own personality, but, you know, it's still systematic. You're like, okay, I'm about to put on a mane. I know that I only have about 20 minutes left on this bead, and then I can go pee. <laughs> you know, it gives you the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> right. You know, that type of thing. Now, I'm looking here at the hedgehog, and yeah. the that has an insane amount of detail. I mean, he's got he's all fun. Yeah. And They're nice and pokey. They are pokey. And on a lot of these too, you 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 do finish them off with a matte uh, etching. Yes. Except for the eyes. And some except of them the except for the I'm I'm you know, I do know that on some of the marine life, the octopus and the jellyfish, those don't have that gives those don't have the etching because yeah, it gives. I don't usually yeah. etch unless it's um, maybe a sea otter or, you know, something that spends an equal amount of time out of the water as it does in the water. Right. Um, and and so I mean, glass lends itself very well to sea life anyway, and that wet look. Land animals um, like horses and hedgehogs and elephants and things like that. I find that if you don't etch it and you try to put a lot of surface decorative um, detail into the surface of the glass, if you leave it shiny, you lose a lot of that detail in the glare and reflection off of the glass surface. Right. So if you etch it, now you have a nice matte surface, and you can see all of the detail that you've put into the surface of the glass. Yeah, I can totally see that as I'm looking at these right and now. And I use um, Etch All, which is a company, I believe, out of Kentucky. And is that a, where, it's either Kentucky or Tennessee somewhere in there? Is that a that's a brush on it, type of? Um, no, actually. So they have a cream which I don't recommend because you can't. It's difficult to recapture it and reuse it. I like the liquid, and it's um, just etch all solution. I buy mine through France Art Glass. Ah, yes. Um, and it's basically just a dip solution. So etch all has the. Um, has the acid, and then they also have a resist gel, which is sort of this um, bluey-green gel, and that's what I use for putting a little dot on the eyeballs to keep them masked off so that they don't turn matte. Right. And it's made by the same company, so they work well together, obviously. Sure. <laughs> um, and I get both of those. Um, you can get most of that from, you know, any of the large glass suppliers, Ed Hoy and Helico and... France Art Glass, and or you can just go online and, and look up Etch All. That's awesome. And it's um, relatively inexpensive, but it, it gives you a lot of the, um, enhances the look of your beads when you use it properly. That's really great. I'm, I'm glad that you're able, that you're, you're willing to share, you know, some of these um, suppliers and techniques and stuff. Oh, yeah. Now you have... You are going to be in Morgan Hill coming up. Now, a lot of the folks from the podcast, they may, they're timely and they'll listen to the podcast when it comes out. And um, sometimes people don't hear this for, you know, they're new to it. So they may not hear this, this episode for a while. But coming up on uh, February 2nd, 2018, you're going to be at Jelve Jafarian Studio in Morgan Hill teaching a class. I am. So Friday on the 2nd is the artist reception, sort of the meet and greet. So we have That's right. hors d'oeuvres and food and drink, and I'll do a couple demos, and we can hang out and talk, and people can ask me questions, and I've got my beads out so you can see what they look like. 
And then Saturday and Sunday, I'm teaching the actual class, which is um, for this class this year, it's African Safari. And then on Monday, I am doing um, a guest demonstration for the Silicon Valley Fireflies. Are you? That's I cool. am. Is that where's that going to be? I believe it's also going to be at Jelvey's studio. Okay, that's it's so, so we're going to end up having has... the meeting that month for the Fireflies at Jelvey's studio, and I'm the guest artist this month, and I get to do a couple demonstrations for the for the group. That's awesome. I'm going to try to get there another on opportunity. Friday. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... come early because then we'll go out to have sushi first. Oh my god. Okay, I'm going to. Oh my gosh. I know. Fresh wasabi. Know. It'll be perfect, you know, table pounding goodness. Definitely. Well, the um the funny thing is uh like to share with our, our listeners is that um uh Lori <clears throat> excuse me, Lori Peterson and Joy and myself would often before the meetings at the for the Silicon Valley Firefly meetings, we'd go off to this restaurant in Willow Glen called Aki, which has, oh, I love Aki. Oh my God! They have what's called industrial strength margaritas, which come out of a machine that is like a Slurpee machine. A slushy machine. Yes, oh, slushy. the best oh. ever. It's oh God. If and I, I will be going there over the weekend. Yes, we're Monday. And and you get the swirl, which is they have either sangria with the margarita, or they can swirl in the patron. Oh my God! It's. Yeah, it's definitely a smoothie for adults. It's one of those places that should be on the map. As if if you're going to be in the Bay Area, anywhere near San Jose, it should be on the must-go-have dinner and mm-hmm. an industrial-grade margarita from Aki's. Right, and and for me, because I'm such a lightweight, that I just I'll drink half of it and I touch my face. If I can't fill my cheek, that means <laughs> that I can't drink anymore. <laughs> Because they're not uh, small. They're not small. They're, you they're... and Lori should have shared one because she was in the same boat as you. I know. Oh, but it's just, it's so, it's so yummy. You keep sipping it and sipping it. Until... I know. It has just, you know, it's not like your typical margarita. No. It's just perfect. No. In fact, it's become the stand. It's become the, uh, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking it's the for? the benchmark for the, me. Yeah. And if I go to another restaurant and they say, do you want blended or do you want on the rocks? Oh, well, it's got to be like this. It's got to be like that. And then can you put a little right. shot? Right, add da, a little da, da, da. bit of this. And can you bring me an extra shot so I make sure that I have the right flavor? Yeah. And don't yeah, forget the fatty straw. The <laughs> right. Yeah. And some and sometimes you, you, it's, there's a disappointment factor if you go somewhere else because you know only what you know. There's always a disappointment factor yes. when you go somebody else someplace else that's true that's true yeah i hope to go there on monday before the fireflies meeting yeah so you're um you're here friday saturday sunday monday and you go back tuesday i actually get in on thursday (gasps) um, and then i'm here all day on friday teaching saturday sunday and then all day on monday and doing the meeting monday nights and then i fly out on tuesday okay all right well i'm around for quite a bit yeah we'll connect after and i'll find out what the schedule is because I definitely want to make it because I'll just go a different way from where I live to um, to Morgan Hill. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, heck, I know that you're busy and you've got a lot to do today to get ready for this week. So I just want to say thank you so much for being on the Rockstar Mentor Podcast. And I know that our listeners, especially folks thinking about getting into glass or people who are seasoned in the... Um, and doing torch work or glass or any type of glass industry or, or sculpture or whatever are going to be thrilled to listen to this episode. 
And if they ever have any questions, I'm usually, um, you can find me online too. Oh yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I teach, I don't mind sharing information with people. Yeah. Now let us know. Um, it'll be in the show notes, but tell us how, how people, how, you know, how we can get a hold of you. How we can get a hold of you. <laughs> I am at, um, I have my own webpage, which is joymunshower.com. And from there, you can get links to my Facebook, my Instagram, and my Etsy shop. Perfect. And you do pretty well on Etsy, too, don't you? Pretty well. This last year's, you know, been a little bit slower since they went public and let in all the mass manufacturers from overseas. But I still have my shop. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, um, you do a couple bead bead shows a year. I do. do I do. Um, I still do the bead show in Oakland in November. And that was the Bay Area bead extravaganza, which was a babe show. Right. And this last year was the last year and it got picked up by a different um, backer. And so it's going to be under a different name, but it's still going to be the first weekend of November. So I'll be back up in the Bay Area and I'll have a booth there. And then I do... Glass Craft in Vegas, which is a combo show with the um, ISGB gathering. That's uh, mm-hmm. two shows in one at South Point Casino. And that this year is the first week of April, more like the last week of March, first few days of April. Um, and then I always do Bead and Button in Milwaukee. And that is the first week of June. And those so, are really my standard shows. Yeah, so it's nonstop. You're just on the go, go, go. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm teaching um, pretty much every month. That's amazing. And also yeah. on my um, joymunchhour.com, I have a list of all of my classes and shows. Perfect. So that is up to date. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm definitely going to list everything. And this has been such a treat. Thank you so much for coming on Thank to the you show so today. Much for- you know, having me, uh, having me on. Yeah, I know. We've been talking about this for a couple of years. <laughs> I know. And then you moved and then I moved and all this crazy stuff happened or so. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Joy. Have a great rest of the day. And um, thanks again. Thanks so much, Sonia. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Rockstar Mentor Podcast today. I am your host, Sonia Paz, and I am thrilled to be able to offer you all of this great advice and experience that I have learned over the years in creating my own art business and developing products and getting my art out to the masses. Any support that you can provide for Rockstar Mentor Podcast, you can visit us at rockstarmentorpodcast.com. We have a variety of different platforms that our podcast is hosted on, such as iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play. If you enjoy this podcast and you find value in it, please give us a review. It only takes a moment, and it really helps us out on any of these platforms to let others know about our podcast. And of course, if you are an artist and you know other artists, please share this podcast with them. That way, we can help other people manage and excel in this creative art industry. We also have a Patreon page where you can support the show as little as a couple dollars a month. A little bit does go a long way, especially when you are supporting a podcast like ours where we are offering you great advice and freebie downloads 
Sometimes it just helps with any of the logistical costs it takes just to host the show. All of the information for our show is listed on our website at rockstarmentor.com. We have everything from free downloads to you can listen to the podcast straight from the player on the podcast page. And of course, if you're not much of a listener and you're more of a reader, we do have great show notes in the blog section of the website. We also have a mastermind group that you can join in and sign up for via the website. This way, not only can you participate in some of the conversations, you can join in, give advice or ask questions and other artists will be there to help you out. If you'd like to know more about me and the artwork that I do, you can reach me at soniapaz.com. I have hundreds of products on my website from artwork that I've created that we have transformed into products. We want to help you do this too. Please do sign up on the website, get our VIP notifications and stick with us. Listen and do subscribe. You can reach me directly at mentor at rockstarmentor.com. Thanks everyone for tuning in and look forward to talking to you soon. 